1: discount
0: time let's get you taken care of this podcast is part of the sports social podcast network this podcast is part of the sports social
4: podcast network this week
2: on the marketer's report patricio spagnoletto global chief marketing officer direct-to-consumer for warner brothers discovery weighs in on building trust
5: Welcome to a Celtic state of mind. My name is Laura Bradburn. It's Friday, and that can mean only one thing. I'm joined by Anthony Haggerty and Jim Orr. How are you, gentlemen?
3: Good, Laura. Afternoon. Hi, good,
5: Laura as well. Um. Well, it's been another. Uh, have to say quite a quiet week in the world of Celtic as far as things go compared to the rest of the season. Um, I was kind of wondering what we were going to talk about and then looking at the news this morning, I saw something that Quite frankly, made my blood simmer, if not boil. But Mr Mr Brendan Rogers is is coming in for uh Odson Edward and he looks like he might be trying to get one on the cheap by the looks of things. Fifteen million is the is the is the Price going around, uh, I would have expected a lot more than that. Quotes of twenty million and above is what I'd seen beforehand. So, Jim, I'll come to you first. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think uh, fifteen million is a little bit, little bit cheeky from Brendan, or do you think it's probably the going rate given the season Odson's had?
3: I think it's a hard one, Laura. In that, I think if you, this time last year, um, before COVID hit, you're looking at was a thirty million for Eddie in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's, he's the all-time top goal scorer for the world champions under-21s. So, mm-hmm. you know, other people in that team are going to go for silly money. And just the fact that he's in a SPL team doesn't make him any less the player. So I thought, this time last year, before COVID, at least over £30 million, because he going be a superstar. A year on, middle of COVID, he's had COVID himself, uh, the market's depressed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of difficult where I think we can only get what people are willing to pay, you know. And obviously, there's a a big sell. There's a big uh, percentage of that is going to go to uh, his his other club. So we might end up with not a lot of money. It's just just unfortunate. I mean, I think uh, obviously football is a kind of fairly insignificant thing given the current COVID situation. But it's not been a good season for this to happen, you know. In terms Mm -hmm. of it happened last year, we'd I get good money for them this year? I think we're just going to have to take what we can get. If it's fifteen million, if it's fifteen million,
5: yeah, I think I think you're right on that. I think the I think the major issue with it, and probably it's going to affect the the transfer market as a whole, is I think there's going to be a lot of clubs desperate for the money that they can get, and they're going to go possibly um, take cheaper offers for players just because they need that money and to to contend with any issues with cash flow. Anthony, do you think? Do you think Celtic will still hold out for a for a higher fee or do you think we're in a position where we have to kind of cover our losses from this season and, and potentially take a take a shortfall on it?
4: Well, so the joke that I read before I came on here was 15 million for Eddie, which leg? <laughs> so I thought, uh, yeah, I'm going back to what Jim said. You're talking about a 30 million player 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Celtic might have to bite the bullet on this one as mm-hmm. for all the reasons that Jim... Pointed out, and whilst it's not ideal, we've got a player here that wants to go. He clearly wants to go, so you get what you get. What somebody's willing to pay. If it's fifteen million, you feel that it is on the cheap. But we just have to bite the bullet and accept it. And it's the high sell-on clause that uh, I think everybody's kind of concerned about. You know that they might not make a lot of money on their initial outlay. And for that to happen to a player like Eddie is really unfortunate. But it's just been an unfortunate set of circumstances, and if we can get it yeah. to anywhere near twenty million, then fine, it's, it's maybe some kind of recompense, you know. But uh, I think we'll be lucky to get anything above twenty million or twenty million. If, it, if it, those figures seem to be kind of bang on, and uh, yeah, I think I mean obviously if he wants to go, Rogers knows he can take advantage of that situation. So I think I think it's one of those situations ourselves to just have to say, Okay, the cards haven't stacked up in our favour. We'll just have to move on. And
3: get as much I think back. also if we manage to get five or six teams interested in them and some sort of bidding war going, maybe that's mm-hmm. something that's going to push the price up. And also you would hope to think that we could take advantage of that if we we're going to buy players. Because actually looking back on it, uh, the, in the summer transfer window last year, we seem to overpay for players at a time where we, you would think we could get players for a bit less. So the five million for Barkas, the five million for a Yeti you what know, would have thought when you get these players a, a wee bit cheaper than that so hopefully mm-hmm. we can maybe bring some players in for a bit a bit less than what would have thought of well the hope is that
4: Arsenal still renew their interest as well or, or would, would want to fight Leicester as you say, Jim and create yeah. that bit more which is <clears throat> a win-win for Celtic so that's that's your, your big hope moving forward if if these teams yeah. are, if a team like Arsenal is genuinely interested so that, that's what we can hope to maybe push the price up
5: I think the other thing I would say as well is, and this is not to incur the wrath of, of the commenters and, and things like that, but I would hope that any deal for Eduard, if, if we accept that one is inevitable... That any deal for him potentially gets done before Peter Lobel vacates his post, because as we all know, he has a he has a tough negotiator, and I think probably we have a better chance of getting a a decent fee for him in the in the the way we got a decent fee for Dembele from Leon and and, and various other ones. So that's probably something that you know, as a as a parting gift, he can maybe he can maybe right that wrong for us. But we'll we'll see what happens. Jim, do you think there's a do you think there's A chance of of a fire sale of that nature. Do you think Edward would be followed out by the likes of Ayer and uh, other high profile players in the squad, or do you think that we'll we'll do our best to try and keep some of the other ones if we do make a big sale on Edward?
3: I think you've always got to look at these things, Lord, from from the actual player's point of view. If if you're a player Mm -hmm. at Celtic just now and know you can go for big money, I mean, there's a number of Celtic players compared to other teams are not getting played, paid that much and you know, I think the one person or the one player we'd all like to say is big Chris but if, you're, if you're Chris Ayer, you can double travel quadruple your wages going somewhere else playing a better league so from his point of view I'd love him to stay but I think he'll go Edwards heads away I mean he's been showboating for the past few games it's dead annoying watching him these days uh, Ryan Christie I think will want to go because he's not getting paid as much as other people and there could be two or three others as well. So, yeah, I think, uh, what do you call it, a fire seal? It's, uh, I think we're going to lose some players. I think the new managers got a, just got a huge challenge to, to try and put some sort of team together, you not know, put 11 half-decent players on the park. I mean, what we've had in seasons going by, we've had good teams coming to each season, so all you're going to have to do is add two or three players to it. This close season is yeah, going to be you know, very interesting.
5: Yeah, I think, I think there's a chance that we could end up with a... a- very unrecognisable team next season. Um, we might end up with Klamala and Ajeti up front. Who knows? Um, it's one of these situations yeah. that we're kind of, it's more unpredictable than I think it has been for a number of years. Um, and mm. y- your thoughts on on... Players exiting the club and things like that. I think Jim makes a fair point of, you know, what is the point of keeping players, regardless of what we can get for them financially? What is the point in keeping them if they do not want to be here? We've we've all seen what that can do to a, a squad morale and 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 that kind of thing. It's it's not good for anybody to keep them, even if we have to take a kind of cut our losses and getting rid of them.
4: Yeah, I think I think if these players want to go, they they have to be shipped out. And you get the top dollar as Celtic can for these players, then so be it. There's also a big concern, Laura, as well. There's 106 days to the first Champions League qualifier
3: mm-hmm.
4: with no manager, and we've named about three or four players that could be leaving. The mm-hmm. upon that. that that's, a big, that's a big ask for any manager coming in to shape a team and get them in any kind of formation or any kind of style before mm-hmm. you enter a competition of such magnitude. You know, in 106 days, that it might seem a wee while, but it's not very long. You know, when we're talking about Chris Ayer, yeah. Eddie and Christy, that's a huge part of your mm. team that's leaving. <laughs> you know, or, or, or potentially leaving. That's a massive gap. Now, mm. I, myself and Jim have spoken about this. We hope that Celtic have done their due diligence and there are people working behind the scenes right now. This new management team that's coming in, director of football or head coach, structure, whatever it may be, and that they're identifying these players and this will happen in due course. Yeah. you know. So that's what you've got to hope's happening. Because see if it's not, you could be in bother again. You'd end up going into the Champions League qualifiers again, ill-prepared when it was just supposed to be a, a brand new dawn. And I'd hate to see a new manager fall at the first hurdle because Celtic are ill-prepared again. They have to give any new people coming in every chance to succeed. In this competition, and get everybody singing from the hem, same ham sheet and on side again.
5: Absolutely, well I've just made an error there because I was called Laura absolutely Bradburn last week after my repeated <laughs> use of the word so I'll try and avoid that this week uh, Absolutely, as,
3: good. People, good.
5: <laughs> as I'm sure people can appreciate, it was my first uh, week hosting so I was a little bit uh, nervous and relying on what I would call uh, verbal crutches to get me through the first hour so um, we'll try and avoid that but just to touch on what you said, Zinkovics uh, who comments a lot. Supports the channel a lot, so thanks very much for commenting on YouTube. Um, It better not be a last minute panic scramble again, and I think that reflects what we're talking about, especially being a club where uh, our season uh, repeatedly starts so early in the summer. Uh, we we have to you know probably take extra steps to make sure that that doesn't happen even more so than, than other clubs. Um, and like Zinkovics, you can you can comment on uh, YouTube, on Facebook, or on Twitter. We're live on all those platforms. We're part of the A uh, State of Mind uh, channel. So if you haven't subscribed yet, um, go over to YouTube and do that. You can do that for free, and you get lots of uh, daily content. I think we're we're up to something like three or four shows a day now that you can see. Um, we've got things. Things like Amy Canavan's new Soccer Supernova show, um, we've got the Salt and Sauce chat show, there's lots out there for you even if football isn't your bag but we will get back to talking about Celtic. Um, one of the disadvantages we have on the Friday podcast is we can sometimes end up covering subjects and topics that have been talked out, talked over ad nauseum and um, One subject that might fall into that category, but I still wanted to get your thoughts on, was the comments Jeremy Frimpong made uh, in a press conference at the beginning of the week. Now, for anybody who didn't see it, I'm going to read it out pretty much as as accurately as I could transcribe it when I was listening to it. So Frimpong was basically asked about you know his departure from Celtic and what happened there and he said there was always going to be a point where they can't win everything there was always going to be a time where they have to lose so the criticism Neil Lennon was getting was a bit over the top because in football it's normal but I feel like Celtic the fans they were so used to winning that when they started going down they didn't know how to feel about it. Now I watched that and the only word I can use to describe my feelings about it was I was absolutely apoplectic. I, I thought it was completely, you know, short-sighted on his part and perhaps more concerning, maybe spoke to a, a wider issue in terms of the attitude of the current squad and the current staff. <laughs> um, I remember growing up and not seeing Celtic win anything really domestically for the first sort of decade of my life Um You guys obviously will remember even more hardships in the early 90s and and some points during the 80s. Um, Jim, I'll come to you first. What did you make of Jeremy Frimpong's comments? Were they the comments of a sort of young, naive guy who didn't really know what he was talking about? Um, And more importantly, do you think they are attitudes that are reflected in players that are still remaining at the club?
3: Uh, Yes and yes. I think... uh... (laughs) I think he's 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 the type of player that you're going to see more and more. And I think, we'll get back to one of my favourite words, expectations. Uh, I think that's what will happen more and more in the future. And I think fans will become less and less attached to the players in the teams. You're not going to have players... The players for any good will be here for two or three years and then go. So don't get too attached to those players. Because, again, if you put yourself in their shoes... I would do exactly what he's done. I may not have said what he said, but at the end of the day, that's a job for them. So you want to get the best job possible, get paid as much money as possible, move on to the next club, and so on and so forth. And that's what all players will do. Uh, I don't think he was here long enough to understand what was at stake. And I think. that's a big concern and I think maybe that's one As the number one
2: audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iheartresults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for
3: more. Of the reasons that we didn't manage to, to do the 10 this year, but I just think that football is becoming more and more like chess to me in that it's about structures and formations and, and the players don't matter that much, you're going to have one or two who will be your kind of big favourites and, and so on and so forth but I think football is becoming more and more functional and you're going to get players here for two or three years, if, if they're not any good they'll be away, if they're not that good you maybe keep them for a bit longer time but that's, I can totally understand where he's coming from from his point of view, it's disappointing to hear it, as you say but he ho, it is what it is <laughs>
5: I think um I think looking at it, um, Tony, the the comment that really irked me more than a lot of things. I mean, I can see why he might want to defend Neil Lennon and say that there was an overreaction and and, and that kind of thing. To to tell a group of supporters who many of whom have been supporting Celtic longer than he's even been alive, that it's normal in football to lose. I mean, I find that a very a very sort of patronising comment to make, and perhaps I'm doing him a disservice. Maybe he was searching for words in a situation where he felt a bit under duress. We all know, we all know when you're on a public platform that you can sometimes say things that, on reflection, you you maybe don't mean quite in the way that they came out. Um, what I wanted to to focus on as well was, you know. D- Bearing in mind the fact that Neil Lennon said that he thought that it wasn't the, what was it he used? Not car crash, but it wasn't the complete unmitigated disaster or whatever it was he said um, a few weeks ago. Do you think that combined with Jeremy Frimpong's comments mean that, you know, there was nobody at the club telling these new players, this is what you're here for, this is what this means, and, and teaching them a bit of the history? Do you think that's missing in the current setup? Well,
4: I'll tell you what. Uh... Jeremy Frimpong didn't understand the history then then uh, that's shameful if he didn't understand what 10 meant to the supporters and that you cannot play for Celtic and go for 10 in a row and not understand what, what that figure in the ether actually means it was huge it was monumental like I message for Jeremy Frimpong as well you regressed as a footballer you regressed at Celtic as a footballer so why come out and slag the Celtic fans the Celtic fans are Love to see you get forward, but you had no final ball. So what were you doing to address that situation, address the unmitigated disaster? Did you take 100 footballs, You down the line and cross them into a centre-forward's head after training? No, you probably didn't Till it became second nature. You can have all the speed in the world, Jeremy Fringpong. I, I hardly saw you set up any goals for Celtic after a bright start. So I'm not particularly fussed at Jeremy Fringpong's left. But to come out and say stuff like that, you know, getting used to losing and stuff. You know, that's fine. We can accept losing. I've said this before. What we can't accept is players not dedicating themselves to their craft, to their job, and, and having a laissez-faire attitude about a season that meant so much to everybody when when they couldn't watch it and paid through the nose for streams that went on the blink and we would love to have been there to cheer them on. So the least you can do is give your all. And reading between the lines, it seems to me that he was talking about that there was this kind of, as I said, I mean, let's say fair attitude about this season.
3: Can't understand that. It was... was I think if that was the attitude, Tony, then whose fault was that? Sorry, Tony. I think if that was the attitude, then whose fault was that to let that happen? I just think it's back to expectations again. I think uh, the reason that Celtic have to win every game because they're the biggest club... We they are the biggest club, so so therefore we should win every game. If we don't win every game, then there's something wrong. Except the fact we've got major rivals who have, you know, you know, have just had an unbelievable season this season. But any other season, apart from one team, we should blow most teams away, and that's why if we drop any points, it's a it's a bad thing. He's moved to a club where the expectations will not be to win every single game. You know, and if you go to some of the big clubs in England, your Arsenal's and your, and your Chelsea's this world, they don't expect to win every single game because they're in a, a fiercely hard league to win. So I'm not so sure he, he, he got the expectation thing. And if it was a kind of laissez-faire season for him, then I blame the management for that.
4: Yeah, because yeah,
3: I mean, he shouldn't have been playing then.
4: Yeah,
3: I mean, it's a collective, isn't it? From
4: the yeah, boat to, to, yeah. to the players. You know, the, the blame lies with everybody. You know, that, that, that's yeah. what I'm kind of saying. But I can't understand that attitude, as you say. How has how that been allowed to permeate the club in this season of all seasons? I just can't understand that. No, and, I, and I accept players like Frimpong Pong will come along and they won't play, like you said, they'll play for two or three years. Because a lot of them use Celtic as a stepping stone, stepping stone to bigger and better things. We accept that. But when you're here, give your all. Go with our blessing. And Fring Pong left kind of, under a cloud... You know, people were divided on uh, when when he left about how they felt about him because he did make a a promising start, but you know he, he he seemed to regress and regress badly, and a lot of the things I I want players to get the basics right, and at the end of his Celtic yeah. career, Lampung wasn't getting the basics right, and again going back to what you said, Jim, how is that allowed to happen? How how can that whole kind of structure just fall apart from boardroom? the first team management level to the first team players in a season where it was it was teed up for, you know, a monumental piece of history and it, and it has just gone so so wrong.
3: I think you said last week from Neil Lane's point he doesn't do tactics, so just go in the park and play. So if that's the instructions. The players are getting then it's no surprise that they've regressed you know so but, but I just think he's the type of player you're going to see more and more they're going to come in for two or three years maximum and they'll leave as soon as possible so so, so I think we have to get used to that yeah I mean, I
4: yeah. mean you don't get too attached yeah don't because get too attached they'll leave so that, that's fine Well, Bernadette on
5: YouTube, sorry, Bernadette on YouTube has commented uh, very naive comments from Frimpong, but typical modern day footballer, it's a job to them. Uh, They have no real affinity to their clubs. And I think that sums it up pretty well. Um, Jungle Lion also... Jungle Lion also on Twitter. I'm um, saying, going by the season, uh, he wasn't the only one thinking that. It's pretty pathetic. So, uh, I mean, I think I think we're all on the same hymn sheet as far as that's concerned. He, the frustration for me is that, um, you know. I, I I would have even understood it a little bit more from the point of view of a player like a Jetty or somebody like that who's literally only come in this season who doesn't know um, who how we played uh, prior to this season um, Frimpong knows how dominant we can be from his, his first season, he knows what standards we set for them last season. How he can say that it's an overreaction to be disappointed in the way that things have turned out is, is beyond me. Because as I've said before, it's not even the fact that we've, we're going to lose the 10 that upsets me. It's it's the manner in which it's been done. It's it's the um, complete Capitulation of the team and the standards, and and going from you know a few years ago not even losing a single game in the entire season to now, kind of shrugging your shoulders a little bit when we used to lose to Ross County. So it it get kind of, yeah, I, I find it kind of baffling. Um, and I, I, I sincerely hope. Yeah, sorry,
3: Jim. On not go. just going to say. I think I'd echo the comments that Mister Haggerty made there that uh, maybe. It, if we have the best 11 players, I don't think he, he, he would be on the team. I mm-hmm. think he's one of these guys that he'll play very well when we're playing well. And if we're not mm-hmm. playing particularly well, I don't think he plays particularly well. And, and you need everyone, you know, everyone playing 7, 8 out of 10 every game. He's one of these guys that I think if the chips are down, I'm not saying he hides because that would be a wee bit harsh. But he's not somebody who you could look to to try and help you out of a, out of a situation. Mm-hmm. So, I wasn't that frustrated he went because I don't think, as I said, if everyone's fit, he wasn't my 11 players. And I said months and months ago, it was a kind of strange one for me because he wasn't a fullback, back he wasn't a wing-back, and he wasn't a winger.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
3: thought, well, where do you play the guy? I'm not very sure where you play him. Well,
0: certainly he certainly wouldn't,
3: wouldn't have been in my 11. And therefore, to get the money that we got for him, I think was an astonishing piece of business. After what he said, what he said, uh, obviously, we're well, not that bothered at the end of the day. We move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
5: Absolutely. Um Anthony, just to touch on something that Jim said there. When the chips are down he potentially was a player who, who you couldn't rely on to kind of pull us up by the bootstraps and, and that kind of thing. Who do we have in the current squad that we can say does that? I I, I was trying to think, as Jim was saying that, of somebody who falls into that category and I'm struggling. I mean, I think Christopher Eyre maybe comes about as close as you can get, but um, I'm struggling to think of anybody else. I think Scott Brown appears less potent in terms of his impact than he has done in previous seasons. So, you know,
4: who who, who do you see as as somebody that can do that for us? I think David Turnbull would have been able to... Kind of play some part, if he'd have played a, a bigger part in the in the first team this season, you know mm-hmm. i, I, I back to how, how it took a dead rubber in the Europa League when mm-hmm. you learning to see that this guy could actually play, yeah. you know you watch them in training every day, you, you don't need to watch them in training every day to know he's a footballer now, I, you know, Jim would say that I, I'm not but he would have been able to play some kind of significant part moving forward and maybe picked you up by the bootlaces as well, coming in, making, a, making an impact. Now, what were they seeing at training that you couldn't place those two players in the team? Scott mm-hmm. Brown has come to the end of his Celtic career. We all know that. We accept that. Rogers got a great tune out of him because Rogers was a good man manager. You know, going back to management again and, and stuff like that. And also, Rodgers got a lot out of players. like Forrest and stuff as well, improved him because he's a football manager. Right, so whatever happened with the team this season, a lot of it could be placed at the management team's door because they weren't getting a tune out the players. Ayer, you've already mentioned. Well, Ayer's the one that you you want to stay, but his head's probably elsewhere. Turnbull, mm-hmm. Turnbull yeah. is a, a baller. He's a footballer. He, he's a guy who you can build your team around, but you need good players around him. You need quality players around him for him to flourish and thrive. And go back to what you said that there was there was not many. Who, when the chips were down, said, you know what, rolled up their sleeves and got stuck in. We just seem to accept our fate in a
3: lot of games mm-hmm. this season. You know, and you can go on, Jim. When you go to sorry No, I was going to say the one player that I like, and I know it's not a very popular opinion, is Ryan Christie. I think Ryan Christie's mm-hmm. a guy who takes risks. He's a game changer. He always gives a hundred percent, he never hides. I mean, I know that he's he's had a bit of a hard time maybe the second half of this season, but the first half of this season, he was a guy who took risks. He changed games. He never hides. And I'd always have guys like that in the team, even if he's hitting the ball 50 yards over the bar every so often. I'm a a big fan of Christy. I would all try and keep Christy, but again, I think you can get far more money elsewhere. And if I'm his shoes, I'm away. I, I'm in total
5: agreement with you as far as Christie's concerned, uh, Jim. I, I I like players, like you say, who take risks. I, I think far too often in the past we've had players who aren't willing to, for want of a better phrase, take a dig from outside the box because every once in a while they do fly in yeah. and, and we've seen it happen before. I, I quite like it, especially when, as we've had this season, problems Um. Sort of breaking down defences and things like that. Sometimes it's going to be a, a shot from outside the box that's going to break the break the the deadlock for you. Um, but Tony, just to pick up on a point that I think we've been kind of um, sort of dancing around a little bit. I've seen a few people on the podcast this week come out in support of Scott Brown and say they want his presence to remain at the club. Even if he's not a player, he needs to be a coach, he needs to be there, he needs to be teaching the players coming through what it means to be a Celtic player, what it means to be a Celtic captain. I have to say, I'm not teeing you up for anything here, but I am not in agreement with that whatsoever. I think... I think he has undoubtedly served the club well in the last decade. He's done a lot of good things. Um, He's had his issues on the field in terms of temperament and things like that. But, you know, a player of his nature is going to... I, I I don't. I struggle to see the evidence to suggest why he would be a good influence as a coach going forward. He's obviously not had a great influence this season. What What makes you think that that's going to happen magically next season, even if he doesn't play? What are your thoughts? Do you think he's somebody we need to keep around, or or is a clean break from Scott Brown something that we need to consider going forward?
4: I think he'd be worthwhile keeping around in terms of letting them learn the coaching ropes. I think it mm-hmm. may be fair to say that. This year he's not shown much in, you no know, coaching wise, you know, because he's still he's still playing, he's still a player, and his mind. Mm-hmm. Also, I think if you say to him at the end of this season, look, Scott, that's it. We don't want you to play anymore. But here's our old coaching academy kids, and then we'll, we'll uh, monitor your progress going forward and see if we can sort of let you graduate through your coaching badges. He's a he's a winner, and has been a winner, and been a winner for a long, long time very consistent. I, th- I think he has something to offer Celtic coming forward, but only if he does get a chance at coaching and there's signs of progression. If not, then I would, I'd be willing to say at some point, look, this isn't happening. You know, Go and, go and find your future elsewhere. But I still think he has something to offer because he's, he's he's got lots of experience. He's played in every big game for Celtic in the past like, 10, 11, 12 years. So th- there is something there. He can channel that as a as a coach and give that, instill that. I mean, he, he could have been the guy installing some players about the ten. You know, you're asking about that. You know, so you'd be looking at somebody like Scott Brown to install that. Why that didn't happen, I don't know. Maybe was he too concentrating on his own? Gunnar ask one song. You just don't know. But I think he has something to offer, and I would I would like to see him get that chance. It's up to him whether he takes it or not on a coaching level. I mean, people people will differ; their opinions will differ. But that—that's certainly my opinion. Mm-hmm.
5: Jim, I'm seeing a lot of comments coming through. Yeah. Some people um totally on side with me as far as Brown's concerned wanting a clean break. Others um, with Tony saying that he should definitely be kept around in the club in some capacity, and some people even saying that there's um. There's a, an argument to be made that an extra season as a player is something that should be considered. Now, I think that's something that seems to have been as much a part of the last five years as of Celtic as winning the title in, in repeated um seasons as this conversation over whether we should offer Scott Brown a new deal. Do you do you see a future for him as a player or do you think, you know, this this should be it for him and, and any influence that he has at the club should be kept strictly off the field?
3: I'm on the same side as Tony. I would definitely keep him. He's a strong character and you need strong characters in the dressing room. I'd keep him as club captain and make somebody else team captain. It'd be great if that was Ayer. But I'd certainly make him club captain. I wouldn't play him that much. Maybe bring him on the last half hour of certain games. I'd have him in the coaching staff in some sort of capacity. Uh, I would certainly keep him for that, for that extra year. Uh, I don't see any harm in doing that. But that's just me. I mean, uh, Whoever the new manager is coming in might not fancy Scott Brown at all. So uh, if it was me doing that, I'd certainly keep Scott Brown because because so many key players are going to leave, I think it would be a bit counterproductive to let Scott Brown go. Mm
5: Mm-hmm. Well there we are folks you can't say there isn't a difference of opinion on a Celtic state of mind because we've just displayed it for for all to see Uh, thanks very much for your opinions coming through on the comments we're seeing them all coming through Um, as I say we're live on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube you can subscribe at a Celtic state of mind for lots of different content coming through um, every day on the channel for free Um, it's all there uh, and you can get involved with all the shows that are available now moving on to slightly more nostalgic, slightly more um, happier times. Now, I, I'm aware we did a, a a birthday wish last week and I'm at pains to stress that, that Friday Axon Pod is not becoming the uh, subsidiary of the Celtic Twitter feed. We are not just here to wish happy birthdays. Having said that... The great Kenny Dogleash turned 70 years old yesterday. Happy birthday to the great man. Uh, I think you can tell how excited a certain contributor is that we are discussing the great man. So I'm going to come to Anthony first. Anthony, I was reading your book, as I have told you in various messages, Uh, your love for Kenny Dogleash is left in no doubt. What does the great man mean to you um, as a Celtic fan, as a Scotland fan, as a football fan in general, uh, as the great man marks his 70th year?
4: I say that in the book, Kenny Louise is the last world class player this country has produced in the truest definition of those words. And I don't say that lightly. There's been some exceptional players and some great players, but Kenny Leech is by far heading above anybody that this country has produced since he well, since he left Celtic In seventy seven he left Celtic. And for four hundred and forty grand, I mean that's the steal of all steals up, up there with Henry Larson, six hundred and fifty grand. The gyms, yeah, we're we're,
5: we're, ha- we're haggling over fifteen million for Edward, <laughs> and Kenny of uh, goes for four hundred and forty grand.
4: <laughs> Jim will know this. When, when Kenny left Celtic, the definition of one man doesn't make a team, but it kind of did. Because the season he left Celtic was fifth in the in the table, and they were appalling in the cups. I believe. I think Rangers won the treble, didn't they? Seventy eight. And uh, yeah. Kenny Deleuze scored the win on the European Cup final against Bruges at Wembley. So he is just... He, I said before, when, when Keegan left Liverpool, they never thought they would replace him. They thought he was irreplaceable. And they got 10 times a player than Kenny wish He was a, a 10 out of 10 player. I, 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 I challenge anybody to disagree with that. Not just for Celtic, not just for Liverpool, but for Scotland and he's still the joint, the record goal scorer, brought on Dennis Law. I wasn't fortunate to see Dennis Law, but I'm told he was another world-class player as well. Jim might be able to help me out in that one. I watched a documentary about him recently, at Dennis Law turning 80, and I was like, wow, I wish I'd seen Dennis Law. There's quite a lot of players I wish I'd seen. Jim Baxter's another one. Yeah, I wish I'd, I'd seen him born in the wrong time, but I saw Kenny, and he remains my first football hero, and he's just up there. There's just very. I don't know if there's any above them, but that's, that's just my own opinion. Jim Absolutely can... brilliant. That's.
5: I mean, mm-hmm. I I I said to you, I read your book and and I really enjoyed the story. Not to give yeah. too much away, I would I would encourage anybody to pick it up. Um, it's called Gony to a Kick Your Ball, Mister," and it goes through a lot of the. There it is. The plug is there. Jim's yeah, got it yeah. ready Shame and problem. waiting. Fantastic. <laughs> um, I no, feel like I, I JP really Mason
3: enjoy- today. JP Mason does what? this. He does this. He does that. Yes. I am JP Mason today. I am that. <laughs> Thank you. Kevin. You've got. Oh, you've got all oh, your stories. <laughs> I love big JP stories. I was at How in nineteen ninety five and I bought a pie. Here's the receipt. <laughs> it was signed by the groundsman.
0: <laughs> it it Listen,
5: JP, JP, if it. you're watching, I am distancing myself from these comments. These are these
3: are Jim Orr's views alone. <laughs> <laughs> All good root no, get in there. He's a your ball, Mister Tony Hackerty, visionary, visionary, hundred percent. No, honestly, get if I you're a football fan, sorry,
5: on you go, Jim. On you go.
3: It's my short. It's my short. So <laughs> wish best of a Celtic player. Easily. Uh, I think, uh, I'm sure there'll be loads of comments from different people. And as Tony said, it's just an opinion. And to my mind, having been watching football since the late 60s, I think there's three players that come to mind. Johnson, Larson and Dalglish. And if you said who's the most skillful player in that period, and that's, that's Johnson. If you say maybe who's the most influential player, that's Larson. But if you say who's the most all-round player that's Doug Leash. And I think the reason that there's a bit of a division of opinions amongst the Celtic fans was the fact that Ken was left before he was at his absolute prime. Whereas we had Johnson at his prime, we had Larson at his prime, we didn't have Doug Leash at his prime. He was almost at his prime. And as Tony said there, he was virtually a one-man team in that 76, 77 season. He leaves and they end up fifth and they all, and they just fell apart. Uh, yeah, in my humble opinion, he's easily the best Celtic player of the last 50 years yeah
4: the moniker by Tony Book. yeah King Kenny that's just (laughs) thank (laughs) you I can't buy publicity that's fantastic thanks so much
5: uh no I, I I it's great to hear you guys talking about it because obviously I am of an age where you know I have no memories of, of Kenny Dalglish playing so um I, I pride myself on the fact that I have seen Henry Larson play and that he's in those conversations with those great players. Just to touch on what Jim said, Tony, I, I know I know nobody can touch Kenny Dalglish in your mind, but do you think he's? Do you think he is slightly underappreciated by Celtic fans and certainly by younger Celtic fans? You know, we all, we all know the Lisbon Lions. We know Jimmy Johnston. We know how good a player he was. Even those of us who didn't see him play. But I don't hear those conversations as widely among Celtic supporters, certainly of a younger age, about Kenny Dalglish and the impact that he had. Do you think there's a, a there should be a bit more respect put on his name, if that's the phrase you want to use, especially in terms of a historic? sense for the club?
4: Nobody can hold a candle to Kenny Roglish as a footballer for Celtic Liverpool in Scotland. That That's a point well made. I think Kenny Roglish's legacy at Celtic has been tainted by the John Barnes era. yeah. You know, as a manager and the things that happened then when they, they held press conferences and Berth Bar, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a side to Kenny Roglish that you know divides opinion and I think the the idea was sound as a pound to bring, the, to bring the club closer to the fans, but the way they went about it was completely and totally wrong. And the management structure at that time was just a disaster. So that's going to tarnish his legacy. But if you're talking about Kenny, the footballer, I implore anybody to dig out any archive footage of Kenny at least playing for Celtic, they will not be disappointed. Because most of the time, the great Arthur Montford's commentating on it as well, which is even more even great tremendous stuff. But uh, I mean, you you look at any game from around that period, Clenderley scores seems to score all the goals for Celtic. Yeah. <laughs> In that period. There's a few, but, but uh goal scorers like Harry Hood and Jimmy Johnson themselves. But uh, you look at these games from that era, Clenderley scores and see about seventy percent of the goals or eighty percent of the goals. Jim will enlighten me on that. Who who was a better goal scorer? Or who who scored? more frequently.
3: But. No, I think I was going to really mention the fact that in, in the Aberdeen game last week, Patrick Klamala played a kind of blind pass yes. to Eddie without looking at it. wish would do that 10 times a game. Just give him the ball without <laughs> looking. He would just turn around and he will play someone in. Uh, he was a phenomenal player. And it's funny he said, easily the best of a Celtic player the last 50 years, the best of a Scotland player of all time, easily. Uh, and then what he did after Celtic, was Phenomenal as well, yeah. and then how he coped with Heisel and Hillsborough and everything that went with that as well. He's a phenomenal man, never mind football yeah. but.
4: Uh, There's a, a lot of admirable um, traits of qualities about him, you know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he can't. But,
3: but the whole point of this was by Tony, because that was the whole point of this, was <laughs> <laughs> I,
5: I think. I think you raise a good point there, Jim, in terms of, I think that's probably why he's really cemented his place in the hearts of Liverpool fans specifically. As much of a good player as he was, uh, certainly um, his role and his um, kind of leadership role in getting justice for the 96 and the way that he handled himself as a person and as a football manager for that club, he was a real linchpin and a real port in a storm for a club that was, you know, Uh, undergoing terrible, terrible um, times uh, that we hope are never repeated. But I think as much as he's on the field impact, I think he'll be remembered uh, for years to come for for what he did off the field in that situation and he has to be commended for that. So with that, I say once again, happy 70th birthday to King Kenny. Uh, You are a legend at Celtic, at Liverpool, In football in general and uh, we just wanted to um, make our feelings known on that. Keep commenting guys on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. We are live as we say uh, every day at 12.30 for the Axon Bulletin with a few interviews and other things sprinkled in between. So keep up to date, get subscribed uh, on YouTube and get your notifications on so that you know when we go live. Uh, just moving on to the next topic. Jim, I'm going to come to you on this first. Um, I, I put out a tweet the other night, uh, about Frank Lampard. You know, he, he seems to have come to the fore in terms of rumours again about, um, potential management, uh, post at Celtic Park. And I, for one, I'm a little bit miffed as to why, or, or confused as to why he's being considered. I'm um, short of getting Derby to a playoff final, which obviously they didn't win. His uh, latest outing at Chelsea left much to be desired, and and uh, somebody commented to me actually, which I, I did agree with. He had a lot of the same issues at Chelsea that that. That we've just get rid of with Neil Lennon. It was a, a former cell, a former legend at the club, who's potentially got the job based on that, um, and then gone on to not really show uh, full potential in terms of management style. Um, and and I've spoken to a couple of Chelsea fans who say he, he played some pretty turgid football at times. And given given the the outlay of money that he had and the talent he had at his disposal, that that doesn't bode well for for managing a, a team of likely lesser footballers what do you make of Frank Lampard and, and, and to open that question up what exactly do you think we're looking for in a manager that, that we need to sort of pick out from our candidates That
3: was quite a long question for quite a short answer never in a million years <laughs> Frank Lampard no chance, that's just paper talk we would be going backwards to do that, I mean I think we've already got the manager in place he's watching things going just now he doesn't want to come in just now because who would want to come in just now? I mean, you could, could lose uh, one or two games for the end of the season, and, and you want to come in at the end of the season. a phrase start. Lampard has got no chance. I mean, that would be just the most bizarre appointment ever. Uh, it'd be a kind of style over substance, and we don't want style over substance. We want somebody who can coach and knows what they're doing, because the most important player, uh, the most important thing to have at the club is somebody who can coach players. And if we had maybe a manager this season who could coach the players, I don't think we'd be in the position we're in just now. So from my point of view, Lampard's got absolutely no chance. Tony?
4: I think you'd be a point, and again, he's not done very much in management himself, Lampard, so he's another rookie manager. You know, he's not tried and yeah. tested at all. You know, so he got the Chelsea job out of sentiment, basically, uh-huh. and couldn't handle it. You know, and uh, once yeah. he got to the... Playoff final with Darby and lost. Manager of Substance wins these games, a manager of substance takes his chance at a big club and, and makes an impact. Mm. You know, so I am yep. with Jim that he, he falls into the no chance category and maybe just pure speculation. And I don't think the Celtic supporters would want him anywhere near the club, you know, because he's not done anything to prove that you know he, he deserves a crack at Celtic. So mm. uh, I'm in the gym as well. I, I want a tried and tested manager. I want somebody with experience that can take Celtic onto yeah. bigger and better things at the European stage and and back to a level of domestic dominance that they've just witnessed. So you want someone who knows what they're doing, you know. And and Celtic it was proven time, you know, Leon Brady, John Barnes, rookie managers, they didn't work. You know, they didn't <laughs> yeah. work. So don't even attempt to go down that. That line again of bringing in somebody with Correct. not a lot of experience, it just doesn't work. It, it, and history tells oh. them that. So they can't yep. keep making mistakes like that, because it's a rookie mistake. They make a mm-hmm. to do that. So, yep. but, and with Jim in this one, no
3: Lampard, definitely not. I think also what not very to in the sports scene, which is a big factor as well, isn't that?
5: <laughs> that is the main criteria, <laughs> obviously.
3: That's the main criteria I've heard. If you go in sports and you do well, then you're a candidate, surely. That's a new criteria. Well,
5: Well... If that was the criteria, there's works. a lot of, there's a lot of people that would end up with a job that I wouldn't be too f- favoured with. But I, th- I think as well, what we need to do is, is forgo or, or, or try and ignore our own ignorance about things. I got a comment from, uh, there you go, Jungle Lion on, on Twitter. Celto- Celtic don't need a r- rookie. They need a yeah. ready-made manager. And I think we need to forgo our own ignorance yeah. on that as far as like, somebody commented to me, what had Wim Janssen done before he came to Celtic? Well, he'd managed three teams. He had been an assistant manager at international level, and he'd won two domestic cups. You know, there, there's a there's a history there. There's a there's a proven sort of, and that was at Faneart, one of the biggest clubs in Europe. So, you know, certainly at that time, anyway. Uh, so there there is a history there that he. He's done more certainly than a Frank Lampard or a Neil Lennon or a John Kennedy, if you want to throw his name in the hat. I I said it last week. I think we are in danger of devaluing the Celtic job depending on who we appoint here, and we just need to be careful about that. Um, But moving on slightly, we're going to look at the game this weekend. Uh, Some might call it a dead rubber. I... uh, He's like I'm. I'm reluctant to say that because to me, no Celtic game is. But um, Jim, I'll come to you first on this one. What are you wanting to see from the Celtic team? Are you hoping John Kennedy's going to have had more of an impact this week than he was able to, obviously, in his first week in charge? Do you anticipate any any big changes either in terms of style of play or selection for for the game against Undy United?
3: I think it's a dead rubber, as you said. As you didn't <laughs> say. Uh, <laughs> No, last week I was looking for loads of changes. I thought he'd he'd, he'd try and put his own stamp on it. And I saw the interview last Friday afternoon and he said, it's not about me, it's about the team. And as soon as he said that, you thought, it's going to be the same old, same old. Uh, Because I've I've put myself in John Kennedy's shoes. He's got a kind of eight-game interview for something in the mm-hmm. future, and I just thought he wanted to do his own thing. And I think, I mean, we're going to be second no matter what. So I think you know you should be able to try things because I do think it's a dead rubber. Uh, so I'd love him to do that. I don't think he will. Uh, I think it'll be the same old, same old. I think last week we looked quite good in the first half and then reverted to type. Uh, I just see the same this Sunday again I mean Dundee United are like kind a mixed season and I think they've shipped a lot of goals they've got an outside chance of to the top six I don't think they'll be that boiled either so I mean it's got, the, it's got all the hallmarks of a dead rubber to me <laughs>
5: Uh Point taken, Jim. I think you've put your case across very well. It is indeed it is indeed a dead rubber. Uh, but, Anthony, just it's... looking at the, the the Dundee United team are obviously, like Jim says, they do tend to ship a lot of goals. They're pretty inconsistent. They they occasionally get like a decent result. I think they beat Livingston 3-0 or something like that not too long ago. Um, and apart from that, not really great. But... Um, do you do you think maybe I saw somebody comment in the WhatsApp group chat last night that they would like to see us just use this as an opportunity to uh, bed in more young players? Do you think that's something that we are going to look to do going forward?
4: Well, with the Scottish Cup coming back into the reckoning, you know mm-hmm. you've got a major trophy to play for now, so I think Celtic have to take it as seriously as they can and start building up some kind of momentum, so that if our new director of football and head coach are watching these games, they'll be able to cast their eye over who they maybe try and persuade to stay or who they want to go or, or what they need to bring in. That, that's my hope that it's happening in the background. So I think we need to take all the games seriously. But I, I do believe, Jim, you know, it's hard to take it seriously when everything's kind of lost. But we now have a, a major cup competition to win. And you want to be involved in that prestigious game at the end of the season. You know, the, the season can have some silver lining and a wee bit of hope moving forward. So you have to play for that. And a lot of people are saying, oh, they don't want to win a Dundee United game because they don't want the prospect of Rangers eh, beating Celtic and clinching the title at Parkhead. You know, you know, Celtic want to win all the games. You know, you want to go into the Rangers game with the opposite eh, effect. Not that they're playing to win the league, but the Celtic are playing to stop them from having a perfect season. Sorry, an invincible league season. So embrace that challenge. Go out there and wheel off the next seven, eight games, or whatever it is, including the Scottish Cup games, and go and win it. And then let's let's kind of put some silverware on a, in the trophy cabinet for the end of our season. It's been a bit of a write off, and then we can maybe welcome the new management team and you know go forward with a wee bit of optimism. But it's hard because the big one's gone, and I think motivation levels are. You know, as Jim says, it's it's not, well, he said it was a dead rubber, but, you know, and if you're in that mindset and frame of mind, then it's hard to kind of put your foot on the pedal again.
5: Yeah, thanks to to Celtic Rambler on YouTube with that comment. Can't let them win the league at Parkhead. Season's been bad enough already. And I think think somebody touched on it uh, earlier on in the week. I can't remember who it was, but... My preference obviously would be that we don't look to lose any game or throw any game or anything like that to stop them winning. We can't let that be in our heads. My preference would be if you don't want them to win the league at Celtic Park, don't let them beat us at Celtic Park. need to win the game. Exactly. It's as simple as that. Simple as that. Um Jim, just to pick up on something Tony's just mentioned there, obviously the Scottish Cup is officially coming back pending pending uh the current situation improving even more than it already has done and continuing to do so. Do you think that does inject a bit of um a bit of optimism back into the season that we maybe have something else to play for again, and that that we might end up not going trophyless this season. Do you think it, you know, injects something into the end of the season that we can look forward to?
3: I'm kind of trying hard not to be negative, and it's really difficult not to be negative this season because you just want the season to finish. From my point of view. <laughs> And, and here's more games. And I'm thinking, well, here's more cuts to add to the thousand cuts we've had already. <laughs> and I saw things on Twitter about, I saw things on Twitter about, well, it, it would be good to win the cup. And you're thinking, we struggle to beat Ross County. So what, what, what makes us think we're going to win the cup this year? Yeah, it'd be great to win it. And I accept that. Uh, I'm also really struggling to understand how it's, how it's actually going to work because I think some of the lower league teams aren't going to play because they haven't played any football. Uh, I think if uh, the teams in the Championship have got home games, they're going to have to change them because uh, 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 I'm not sure about who they're compliant over COVID, etc. I think it's a bit of a shambles. We're trying to cram all these games in. For me, I would have just left it. You know, let's get this season mm-hmm. finished and we move on. And there's, The things I'm looking for are the two Glasgow derbies. Let's win the last two Glasgow derbies to show that we weren't that bad a team after all. And we move on. The Scottish Cup, to me... If it's part of Fable, it's a big, big thing. Uh, but it's a bit of a consolation prize, I always think. If you haven't won the league, yeah, it's a wee day out in May. But again, no fans allowed. You know? So so it's it's not exciting me too much, as you can possibly tell. Uh, if we win it, great. But I would have left it. I would have left it. I know I'm sounding dead negative. To everyone who thinks I'm dead negative, I'm trying not to be negative, but just... We move on. So I'm going to say that yes. I can catch you as we move on.
5: I'll remind you of this, Jim, when we're in the Scottish Cup final, (laughs) and see how you're feeling. Hold me back. Hold me back, (laughs) Tony. What what do you think our chances are with the Scottish Cup? As Jim said, we've struggled to beat some pretty pedestrian opposition this season. Is there a real chance that even if it is something exciting to look forward to, that we've got a chance of winning, or is it? are, Are we kind of, you know, is it a pipe dream for us at this point?
4: Only a fool would bet in Celtic winning the Scottish Cup, so like, it was a bit piece of it. There's my own account. Uh, uh, are we I mean, we, we've lost to Ross County in the League Cup at the moment. There's nothing to suggest that Celtic can win the Scottish Cup. And as Jim said, everybody just wants the season over. He stopped short of the Al Pacino there, didn't he? Just when I thought they were out, they'd draw me back in. <laughs> 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 you know, I, I was waiting that line coming, but... You know, it's you've got to be you're now in it again, so you have to compete to win it. Yeah, you know, I don't think at any stage in this season Celtic have shown anything near the consistency needed to even go and win the win the cup. You know, the loss to Ross County was lamentable. I mean, absolutely lamentable. So you you don't have, you don't hold out much hope, but because we've been thrust back in it, we have to compete and play to win it, whether that's possible or not. I'm not sure, but I'm like Jim. I would have left it, but by circumstance, you're now you're now in the eye of the storm again. So you have to you have to be as competitive as you can.
5: I think I'm in total agreement with you. I think it's one of these situations that the the season we've had, I'd sooner have seen it end than than prolong the agony, if you want to put it that way. Um, but yeah, I think if we as, were as, if, if
3: we were miles ahead. If we were miles ahead in the league, definitely play the Scottish Cup. Definitely play it. <laughs> it's a five-foot miles behind, and so just stop it. Move on. Yeah,
5: I, I'm I'm with you, Jim. I, I'll borrow your phrase and say we move on. We move on to Thanks, hopefully bright, brighter and better things. <laughs> Thank you very much for watching, everybody. Today um, we have had a great show. Uh, your comments have been much appreciated. There's been lots going on down in the chat. Um, as I said, keep keep watching, keep subscribing if you haven't done so already. We will be back with our. Um, Game coverage this weekend of Dundee United as usual and next Monday just to highlight I will be back with, um, Amy Canavan and Natasha Miko for a special Monday Club podcast to celebrate International Women's Day and just talk a little bit about our role uh, as contributors to Axon Pod and obviously look at whatever has happened over the weekend, whatever it may be. Uh, Thanks again for all your time today. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it and we will see you again tomorrow for the game coverage. Thanks very much.